this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is Wonderful. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Wonderful. This is a show where we talk about things that are wonderful. The name is what we do. And I think that that's important for a podcast, don't you? I do. You know, I wanted to, I came up with kind of a a way to describe what it is like trying to do this podcast right now. Yeah, please. So one could argue that the times in which we are living are not wonderful. Um, I think that there is, you could make a case for that, yes. But to give the example of, say, a shit sandwich. Okay. um, Can still be made on great bread. That is something, babe. So you painted an incredible picture there for us. Perhaps what we are doing is describing the great bread on which the shit sandwich is made. Yeah, uh, to, there's another metaphor where the shit sandwich has also always been there, and now everybody's looking, <laughs> and now the shit sandwich is, smells so bad that we're noticing the bread, and everybody's <laughs> looking at it and saying, "Like, what a terrible, terrible shit sandwich." Uh, yeah, it's a uh, obviously. So yeah, we did not have an episode last week. Uh, it did not feel uh, appropriate. I think, especially, I would say this show where tonally we try to. Uh, focus on the good and Mm -hmm. that is not the best thing to do right now like straight up just trying to uh shy away from the uh, you know horrific truth of uh the the moment and the reality that we live in is not what any of us should be doing uh we hope you enjoyed fanti i am like fully in love with that show now i've been listening to it i don't really listen to podcasts anymore especially during this quarantine time where uh, you know, I don't have my commute or anything like yeah. that, but I have been diving into the backlogs. And uh, again, a huge, huge thanks to Jarrett and Travel for uh, letting us do a feed drop of that episode. Please go subscribe to that show if you haven't already. Um, but I, I don't know what else really there is to say. We hope that you all are staying safe and staying uh, involved uh, and staying sort of, I, I know it's been a while since uh all of this started since the protests sort of hit critical mass but it's it's uh i have felt myself like wanting to let up off the gas already and i think that that is an instinct that yeah you know you gotta kind of push against yeah um so yeah it's been it has been like also a challenging but very very like educational time and that is always like a thing i feel good about is when i feel like um you know there are so many resources out there um yes available to people that want to learn more and it has been really great to see kind of the wealth of information that you can track down if you're just interested in looking (laughs) yes we will keep putting uh links to that in the in the episode descriptions for the time being um i think also that we're doing for our shows uh here on on wonderful our our ad revenue we are going to be donating uh to a a cause that is uh involved in the moment that we are all in right now uh, this this week, we're going to be donating our ad revenue to the Okra Project, which is an incredible thing. If you've not uh, heard about it, uh, Fanti recommended it last week. And since finding out about it, it's, it's just such a, a great project. They uh, it, It's a collective that is working to feed black trans people uh, healthy and like culturally sort of uh, specific relevant meals uh, and, and provide other resources to, to black trans people. So uh, we will again provide links to uh, them and where you can support the Okra Project uh, in the episode description. But um, yeah, it's uh, it, 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 it just hang in there. Just uh, yeah. stay 
uh, again, stay safe and stay active. And um, and we're going to keep doing this, and we hope you'll keep listening. Yeah. Uh, do you have any small wonders? I now I haven't listened to the whole album yet, but I have been listening to some of those new Run the Jewels tracks. Ooh, and whoo, fire! I have not listened to that. I just saw that they have a new album out, and that it is getting like critical, sort of like perfect reviews across the board. Just so. as the kids might say, "Hot fire!" Is that what the kid? I don't think the kids are even saying that anymore. <laughs> I'm always like eight to 12 months behind <laughs> yeah i just usually boot up tiktok and then like if i hear a word i don't understand i'm like that's the that one is the cool one now <laughs> um i'm going to say uh there is a game for switch called clubhouse games that is yes. a sequel to a nintendo ds game <laughs> that i also loved and it is just a collection of 51 games mostly board and card games you have your solitaire both the spider and other main solitaire mode but free then, cell they got free cell i don't think they have free cell on there no <laughs> but they have uh basically like uno on there uh they have all the like uh classic global board games like chess and uh other stuff uh and there's certain games on there that like i have known about for a long time that i just never really like learned about like shogi which is like uh uh japan's sort of chess like strategy board game i saw you game. doing that mahjong the other day too I, yeah i try Richie mahjong is like fucking wild and incredibly <laughs> complicated but like you know i've 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 known about mahjong for a while and never really learned how to play it and so it's been like cool to finally like see, invest in that i see griffin with that switch and i'm like hey what are your turnip prices and he's like oh, i don't know but I can, i'm not on that right now but i can tell you about the the hand i'm working for i'm one from tenpai right now so i'm very excited <laughs> about that development yeah it's incredible if you have a switch get it it is like uh, an incredible value um you go first this week oh great tell me what you got so my first thing is language development in children okay as, as a one my wonderful thing um I became kind of fascinated with this when Henry started using the word very uh, in a very unusual way. Yeah, but like it doesn't take a whole lot of thinking to like figure out why he uses it in the way. It's so interesting. Can you explain like how he uses very? Uh, So a lot of times he will ask for something and he wants to express the urgency of this request or he uh, wants to really, you know, put a lot of uh, put a lot of energy behind it. And he will say, like, I very like that show. I very want that show. Uh, I, I very don't want to sleep right now. Yeah, yeah it's a, he uses it as a like uh, I, I very catch-all w- yeah. modifier mm-hmm. for like it covers really and like all kinds of other yeah, other yeah. words. Yeah, uh, and that kind of reminded me. So I took like a a child psychology class in college that talked a little bit about language development. Yeah, and it's kind of fascinating. I think. A lot of times as a parent, you think that a child is just kind of mirroring what they hear. Right. You know, and then when you hear them construct kind of a, a sentence that you know for a fact they have never heard, right. it becomes kind of interesting to think about like how they're how they're doing this. So I did a little a little research. A lot of this starts with Chomsky. Oh you yeah. You familiar with Chomsky? Fucking not even a little bit. Oh really? The name is uh familiar. Familiar, yes. <laughs> Uh, so Chomsky 
talked a lot about language development, and he specifically talked about the nativist theory, which is that human beings have this language acquisition device just built into them. Okay. So there's there's this idea that instead of language being something that, you know, you could teach a person like a robot. Right. Uh, there's this idea that we have this device in us that kind of gives us the ability to construct sentences. Like a, um, like a yak back that's in our <laughs> mind? But not a yak back because oh. you are using oh. rules to create brand new thoughts More and like ideas. a talk boy where Kevin McCallister, what is his name? <laughs> Kevin Mccallister could take clips of his, you know, terrible not uncle yelling. No, but he could remix them into different clips. Yeah, but there's not even remixing. It's brand new. Oh, man, you're right. Both of those <laughs> things I said were wrong. So it's more like a speak and spell where there is no recorded element okay, and you are you instead go. punching you in. You were okay. so desperate to find a, a, a toy. A child's a toy. toy. of some kind. Um, there's been a lot of, of studying of this uh, over time. There, there was this idea of uh, this kind of empirical, ag- against the nativist theory, this empirical thing of, you know, it's not like we have any kind of innate ability as humans. Uh, we just, over time, can put together these these phrases and, and we're not like blessed with any kind of hardwiring. Right. Um, but I think as time goes on, more and more people say like, no, you've, You've got it in you. Right. Uh, Steven Pinker is another kind of leader linguist in this field. Uh, He had a book in 1994 that came out called The Language Instinct. Steven Pinker is kind of like the rock star of linguistics. Uh, Oh, oh, you're telling me? I'm a fucking full-blown Pinker head, dude. What are you talking about? Trying to talk to me about Steven Pinker. Like, I don't know about his theory of linguistics. Uh, Holy shit. I saw him... Play. Mm-hmm. Who opened? Who opened for him? Oh, Chomsky. Chomsky? Chlumsky? Anna Chlumsky. For my girl? Oh, is, and that, vape? is that the, the... Oh, I thought it was, that was like the tribute band for Chomsky. Anna Chlumsky is from Veep and my girl and also does the is a tribute band for Chomsky. Yeah, she fucking brought the house down, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. Her on that speaking spell. Yeah. Uh, so in The Language Instinct, Steven Pinker said, language is not a cultural artifact that we learn in the way we learn how to tell time or how the federal government works. It is a distinct piece of our biological makeup. And the test he did was the WUG test. WUG? WUG. So WUG is a made up thing. He totally made it up. He put a picture of like a bird on a chalkboard and said, this is a WUG. And then turned to kids and said, okay, now there's two of them. There are two. And kids would just naturally say WUGs. Which showed that, like, this isn't something they are parroting or memorized. This is something that they have learned how to construct based on this kind of understanding of how Plural. syntax and yeah, language sure. works. Yeah. Uh, and so this kind of explains why Henry will say, I very want that. You know, like, he understands the very is, is something that expresses, you know, like a esteem like increased desire right and he knows that he has that and so he's just throwing that into a sentence because he kind of understands innately how sentences work and we chide him every folks don't worry about it we chide him every time he gets it wrong it's very important that he doesn't know it's just kidding it's the fucking cutest thing in the whole world (laughs) um obviously development varies per kid and there's no evidence to suggest that a kid that develops early is going to be any more advanced in the in the long run than another kid right 
Um, but by their second birthday, most kids have 1,000 to 2,000 words. Uh, so there is what they call like a language explosion that yes. happens that is super great for people like us who just want desperately to communicate with our child in an right. effective way. <laughs> yeah, between birth and adulthood, children learn about 60,000 words on average, amounting to 8 to 10 words a day. That's so many words, man. I know. It's just, it's it's a really cool time, uh, especially since we're spending a lot of a lot of time with our child right? to just kind of see day to day um, kind of how he is, is putting sentences together that just totally surprise us and are delightful. It is uh, incredible. It's as, uh, as much as he is like leaning on the same words to form uh, sentences like that in a way that is like Mm -hmm. very, very charming. He also has like stepped up his, adjective game in a way that is like like hearing him say that he is very disappointed for the first time instead (laughs) of just like i'm sad is like whoa holy shit yeah he started to say things are disgusting and Mm -hmm. adorable yeah it's just like so good it's incredible um can i do my first thing yes I almost, I almost stepped on my first thing to doing my, my mini segment because my first thing is a game that was included in Clubhouse Games and I have been playing so much of uh, uh, Backgammon. Backgammon. Or as some people call it, Backgammon. <laughs> uh, I love Backgammon a lot and it occupies sort of the same uh, space as like chess or... Uh, you know, any of the like classic ancient sort of board games. The name of the game makes it impossibly impossible for me to remember what the game is. Backgammon? Yes. When you, you say it, I cannot remember what it is because nothing about the name of it gives me a clue. That is true. I will give you, well, I mean, the same could be said for chess or true. checkers works perfectly actually because checkers is takes place on a checkerboard. Well, I guess it's only called a checkerboard <laughs> pattern because it is a checker. By the way, checkers... Is not a very good game. No, it's not. I I've been I've been playing a lot of this Clubhouse Games game, trying to like beat the AI on the hardest difficulty. Checkers against a high end com- uh, opponent when you are also trying to play a high end game of checkers sucks shit because it always comes down to like you have two kinged pieces and they have two king pieces and you're just like jumping all around the board for an hour and a half yeah. until you realize it's all a futile effort. Backgammon, you don't get that. Back, what is it again? Backgammon is the game you play where you have two dice and you have fifteen checkers on a board with the twenty four sort of like spike spaces that you try to land on and you are racing essentially to get all of your checkers off the board you are moving in a horseshoe pattern sort of around this board while the opponent is racing in the opposite direction so you roll these two dice and the numbers that come up on the dice determine like how many spaces you can move any of your checkers that you have uh, on the board. So if you roll a five and a three, you can move one checker five spaces yeah, uh, okay. and another piece three spaces, or you can move one piece, you know, five and then three. Yeah. Um, and so you, you you do that in an attempt to like get all the way across the board. And once you get all your pieces like in the home stretch, then you can clear them off or bear off all of your checkers. First person to do that wins. Um, if you have, if you land on a space where an opponent has just a single checker, you capture it and you knock it basically all the way back to the start, right? Uh, but you can protect against that by having two checkers on a space at a given time. If you have two checkers on a space, your opponent can't land on that space. Okay. Um, okay. So all of this is familiar. It kind of sounds like Mancala, but it mm, kind of Mancala is like it's a, its own sort of thing where there's always kind of a legal move and you all are, are trying to capture like landing your stone in a space yeah. opposite uh, a space that your opponent has 
uh, seeds in, but um, this this game is more about more about sort of like building walls that your opponent can't move past. So if you capture one of your opponent's pieces, and before they can move any of their other pieces, they have to get that one back on the board. Okay, you can also make it where you know you have six spaces in a row where um, uh, you have two pieces, right? Yeah. And so you have built literally an impenetrable wall where there is no legal move for them to get back on the board and you can cause them to what's called dance, which means they can't move. And then it's just like you get free move after free move after free move after yeah. free move. So what I love about the game is there are dice involved, right? So there is a, a heavy luck component to it. And there have been all kinds of debates like across the world, across the, the centuries about whether or not it is like strictly a gambling game. There are backgammon clubs where people play backgammon for money, typically over multiple rounds. And uh, much in the same way that like pinball was legislated as is this a game of chance? And then, you know, you get like a pinball expert in there to show you like, actually, no, it's a game of skill. Uh, There have been, you know, literal court cases about like whether or not this is just a game of luck and gambling uh, when really like there is, of course, an extremely heavy strategic component to it. Uh, that is really, really satisfying. I find that blend of the two things like really, really entertaining. Uh, I think that it is a great just kind of like chill uh, two-player board game that there aren't like a lot of. It is not sort of mentally taxing in the way that a chess is or a yeah. Scrabble is. See, I like a game that does have a little bit of luck because it is an equalizer a little it bit. It is, yeah. I, I feel like in this way, it sort of occupies the dominoes space where dominoes is yeah. a game of, you know, having to... Uh, build good chains and try to end with multiples of five if you're playing with that rule set. But mostly it's just like, I sure hope that I have a move that I can play when my turn comes up again, right? Uh, backgammon is that as well. So I, I never, I did not know how backgammon was played until I moved to Austin and we had some friends who had a backgammon set and just like, We'd be in their backyard drinking, just like hanging out and you can like play backgammon while talking to people and like doing other stuff. And it's it's a two person game. And it's a two person game. That's so important. There's two of us. We could be playing backgammon right now. We could be playing backgammon right now. We're wasting time. When we're not playing backgammon, uh, backgammon is an ancient game. It is one of the oldest games. There was, uh, there were, uh, sort of, there's there's evidence of a backgammon-like game being played in, like, ancient Mesopotamia, like, 5,000 years ago. They found, like, sets of dice and checkers and a patterned board game. There is, uh, I, I'd never heard of the Royal Game of Ur, which was a board game that was discovered in, uh, you know, a, a, an ancient Babylonian game uh, that sort of acts as a precursor to virtually all board games that uh, we know of now. Uh, And it is like... Backgammon has spread across a bunch of different countries in the Middle East uh, where it has different names and different variations on the rule sets, but it is like an incredibly popular game in uh, coffee houses and other sort of lounge type settings uh, in, you know, uh, I I have a list of uh, in uh, Iraq, Lebanon, Egypt, Syria, Jordan, and just like a bunch of other Middle Eastern countries. Um, And I think that that's really fucking cool that like it has... It has these ancient roots that have allowed it to sort of like propagate across the the known world. Uh, and I think that just speaks to how fucking good a game it is. Um, well, yeah, and also that you could like make it, you know, like it, it's like yeah. a kind of game that you could like pick up, you know, like coins and buttons and like a 
piece of paper Doesn't and john locke do it in lost like there's a whole thing about get back oh, gammon that he does in lost because they so. like make a set or something like that i feel like yes. is it that or mancala no i think it was i, I think you are you have mancala on the i really do i'm right insistent upon it mancala is a great game i really like it, it is uh i it, this is also kind of like a weird like thing to state but like i think backgammon feels good there is a tactile, th- like taking the dice and rolling them inside the box and then like picking up like the smooth checkers and like moving them around the the, the board. Like there is a tactile this is sort a of big thing weight. for you. You're big on that with like video game controllers and stuff too. Like, yeah, I mean, you, I appreciate. It is important to you and, and phones and like any kind well, of. Well, phones, I feel like everybody, like a phone is the thing you interface with like literally constantly and so the i just like a uh you know you play a chess set with that has like these hollow cheap plastic pieces and you play one that has like good mm-hmm. heavy wood pieces and that feels good like mm-hmm. i don't know i just i like that i like mm-hmm. that a lot uh backgammon it's fun as hell it's a good uh a good game that i feel like uh i did not know about for much of my life until i uh, started playing it with our friends here in Austin, and then I it became one of my favorite games. And uh, this this video game, Clubhouse Games, has reminded me of that. So, backgammon, check it out. Get 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 involved with the backgammon scene. It's like Yu Gi Oh, but with far fewer dragons. There's no dragons. I feel like I should say that because now I don't want to get emails from people like I was told there would be dragons. <laughs> Okay, can I steal you away? Please do. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be 
the same list as everybody else's with the Julia <laughs> Styles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can you can sell? Uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain Got a couple of Jumbotrons here, and uh, these are messages from our listeners to other listeners and sometimes themselves. This is a message for Chloe, and it's from Ben, who says, I had gotten this message to celebrate our previously impending nuptials, but now I just want this to be for you. I know it's been a really hard time, and I hope by now things have gotten easier. No matter what happens, I'm so grateful for you. I'll love you always. Thank you for everything. Let me know if you want your symbolic ring substitute item. Uh, I mean, what are we talking? Like a sword? Yeah, if we hadn't exchanged rings. Sword is what I'd want. Like yeah. a cool, like a, but not like some, I don't want you to go to fucking some hobby shop and get me like. You a, want me to break into a museum? And take like no, an actual. No, not even that. I want okay. you to make me a sword. Oh, uh, and I and I don't want you to. I know you just were gonna half-ass it and like get some boxes, some cardboard boxes. Of I would. I would say pipe cleaners. No, I want you to like take some smithing lessons. No, you know what I. You know <laughs> what I mean. Like I want. I want there to be some forging involved. I want there to be forging and tempering. What would you want? Uh, I mean, Mancala. A Mancala set? I could make you a Mancala set, probably. <laughs> you could, and I would like that. Okay. All right. Uh, this next message is for Sarah. It is from Mitch. Hi, my sweetie bear. I love you, and you're super wonderful. I can't wait to marry you, unless we already are, which in that case, hooray. I love you so much. A lot of weddings, a lot of marriage, a oh. lot of marriage talk. It is the season, I suppose. Is it? I think people say June. Is the marriage season? Yeah, it's when people have weddings because it's like reliably um, hot. And people like that? Well, sun, you know, you don't have to worry about rain as much. I guess. I mean, we had a 23 degree Fahrenheit wedding <laughs> and it's, I can't imagine doing it any other way. Oh, I can. No, nah, man. It's great <laughs> how all of our guests look like uh, Jack at the end of The Shining, just sort of icicles <laughs> hanging off of Did their we various. Did just do that to save money? Is that why we did it? I think we were urgent. We had some urgency. We wanted to do it. Well, we did invite Olaf from Frozen, and we didn't want him to die, did we? I'm sorry that I'm so conscientious. You're saying that, but in Frozen 2, he has permafrost, so he is able to transport in any weather, so it's not as much of an issue. I'm such a dumb asshole. <laughs> Hey, I'm Jared Hill, co-host of the brand new Maximum Fun podcast, Fan Time. And I'm Travel Anderson. I'm the other more fabulous co-host. And the reason you really should be tuning in. I feel the nausea rising. To be Fan is to be a big fan of something, but also have some challenging or anti-feelings toward it. Kind of like Kanye. We're all fans of Kanye. He's a musical genius, but like, you know. He thinks slavery is a choice. Or like the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Like, I love the drama, but do I want to see black women fighting each other on screen? Ew, too. 
to the no, no, no. We're tackling all of those complex and complicated conversations about the people, places, and things that we love. Even though they may not love us back. Fantai, Maximum Fun, Podcast. Ow. Hey, can I do my second thing? I want you to. My second thing is a soothing, relaxing <sighs> trip to the Poetry Corner. Baby, I hear the poetry calling. Tom Waits is here. and he's... That's not what Tom Waits sounds like. What do you think Tom Waits sounds it like? It was until you got real quiet. Baby, I hear the Tom Waits' voice is a little bit more abrasive than that. <laughs> hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Well, that's better. That's it's a little bit, better. but it's still not very good, though. They put a side up in our town. I think I just try to make him sound like a scary monster. <laughs> like, that's all my brain is like, oh, time to do the Tom Waits impression. Let's click the scary monster lever all the way up to uh, all the way up to full, all the I way up love, to maximum. I love your impressions. I don't know what I would do without them. Um, I mean, you'd still probably be okay. <laughs> hey, can I tell you about the poet, though? Please. Uh, I am talking about Jacqueline Woodson. Ooh. Uh, this is a poet that, uh, I did not grow up learning about, Okay, but I think should be learned about. Okay. Uh, so this is somebody who is currently writing today, written a lot of books, not just poetry. Uh, the book that I'm talking about though is Brown Girl Dreaming, and it is a autobiography of sorts, but it is done entirely in verse. Holy shit. Cool. So it is an incredible experience to read front to back. It took me about two days to read it. Uh, and she tells her story and she's got kind of a unique one. She was born in Ohio. Um, but her mother was from South Carolina and wanted the family to move back there. Uh, so for much of her childhood, she lived in South Carolina. And this is during the uh, 60s and 70s. So she's talking about her experience as uh, a child that is black during that time period. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's really incredible. She won a lot of awards for it. It was awarded the National Book Award for Young People's Literature, the Coretta Scott King Book Award, and the NAACP Image Award. Uh, it is incredible. Um, and she, in 2015, began a two-year term as the Young People's Poet Laureate. Oh. So she's written a lot of children's books. Uh, this is kind of more in the adolescent territory. Uh, she's also written some adult novels. Um, she's just incredible. And when I say adult novels, I don't mean like erotica. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to read one of her poems. Please, please. Oh, is that a signed copy? Yeah. So my dad got this for me years ago. He's big on the signed, signed he copies. He really, really is. <laughs> for me, it's, I mean, it's nice. It's cool. Um, I don't display it per se. Yeah. But it is a very good book and I'm glad to have it. Yeah. I love how many bookmarks you have in there. <laughs> I bookmarked all my fave poems. You have like seven bookmarks in there. <laughs> uh, so this poem is called The Revolution. Don't wait for your school to teach you, my uncle says, about the revolution. It is happening in the streets. He's been out of jail for more than a year now, and his hair is an afro again, gently moving in the wind as we head to the park, him holding tight to my hand even when we're not crossing, Knickerbocker Avenue, even now when I'm too old for hand-holding and the like. The revolution is when Shirley Chisholm ran for president and the rest of the world tried to imagine a black woman in the White House. When I hear the word revolution, I think of the carousel with all those beautiful horses going around, as though they'll never stop. And me choosing the purple one each time, 
climbing up onto it and reaching for the golden ring as soft music plays. The revolution is always going to be happening. I want to write this down, that the revolution is like a merry-go-round, history always being made somewhere, and maybe for a short time, we're a part of that history, and then the ride stops and our turn is over. We walk slow toward the park where I can already see the big swings empty and waiting for me. And after I write it down, maybe I'll end it this way. My name is Jacqueline Woodson, and I am ready for the ride. That's so fucking good. It gives me chills every I time know. I read it. Um, she she is really incredible at writing in that that voice of a young person. Yeah. Which I think is why it's so appropriate that she was the young... Uh, the Young People's Poet Laureate. I imagine that's like a really tricky needle to to thread. Yes. Yes, because you don't want to be too juvenile, um, but you also want to... Um, respect yeah, that respect young people that time are period people. Yeah, and sure. that there's, there's value in it. Um, she gave an interview to NPR uh, and said, quote, I'm writing about adolescence for adolescence. And I think the main difference is when you're writing to a particular age group, especially a younger age group, the writing can't be as implicit. You're more in the moment. They don't have the adult experience from which to look back. So you're in the moment of being an adolescent. And the immediacy and the urgency is very much on the page because that's what it feels like to be an adolescent. Everything is so important, so big, so traumatic, and all of that has to be in place for them. That's really remarkable. Yeah. I've never thought about like writing for young people in that way. Like yeah. I've never thought I've never thought about sort of the the voice that you have to um use whenever mm-hmm. whenever you're writing for young people. Yeah. I I just like the that poem in particular starts in a very kind of nostalgic way and then becomes so big with this idea of this carousel. Um and uh, I just, I, I just love it. I, I really would recommend more than a book of poetry where you can pick poems here and there, like I just did. I would really recommend reading the entire book. It's called Brown Girl Dreaming, uh, and you you go through her childhood all the way into adulthood, and and it's just, it's so well done. Uh, that's a hot hot wreck from hot Rachel. R e c c, not w r. Get there. Get- <laughs> Uh, can I do my second thing? Yeah. My second thing is a song that I've had stuck in my head for about a week. And I must have been like whistling it or something recently because I heard you like humming it yesterday. And it like weirded me out. If it wasn't that, it's pure imagination. Yes. Okay. I think you must was have been it, doing have, it. Okay, it freaked me the fuck out because like I prepped this segment and then like a half hour later you came downstairs and you were like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, what the fuck just happened? I realized as I was doing it, this is a song that Griffin normally hums. So so it must be. It must have been like a recent. Yeah. Uh, I, I like, mean, I can. I You do this a lot. It is. It may be pound for pound like the prettiest song ever. Yes. Uh, I uh, I'm bringing it up because it showed up in my uh, uh, Spotify like weekly thing, but it was just like a guitar, uh, like a jazz guitar cover, mm. like a very very simple one. And it made me realize just like the melody of this song is so like incredible. Uh, it is. I'm assuming everybody has heard it. It is from uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and features a like incredible performance from Gene Wilder who like yeah, I... Yeah, he's got pipes. He does have pipes. And I love that he 
is like who was cast in this film to like sit in this yeah. musical to sing it because I, uh. I, he did, like he has a nice voice but he is not like a so some of the other people who are considered for the role of Willy Wonka is Fred Astaire uh, Joel Grey um, and uh, Peter Sellers like begged role doll to be considered for the role oh. but Gene Wilder came in and like read two lines and they're like yup it's, I can't imagine yeah. anybody else doing it. There's such, I mean, Gene Wilder was, was like historically just like a real, real big comedy presence, but there's such a like sensitivity to the yes. way he does this role that is just so charming. Uh, I, I get, I get this. Okay. Gene Wilder and particularly like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory makes me emotional in a way I don't really understand. Yeah, that's that's fair to say. I don't know if that's true for everybody, but like for for, for me, like I get a little bit. There is a sweetness to uh to to his performance in this movie that is like truly sort of gut wrenching. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the song itself is like a masterfully sort of written song because it kind of perfectly encapsulates the entire vibe of this movie, which is like uh has a vibe that is so unto its own. Uh, and to have it all kind of like captured in this one sort of wonderful, uh, mysterious, comforting, maybe even just like a little bit ominous song uh, is like, it, it is a just, it's a masterpiece. Uh, I'm going to play a little bit of it because I know people have heard it before, but uh, couldn't do you wrong to hear it again. We'll begin with a spin traveling in the world of my creation. What we'll see will defy explanation. To to break it down, like the lyrics are gorgeous. I think it is uh, timeless in a way, uh, like on par with like the fucking ABCs. Like it is uh, <laughs> on that level. Uh, but the bridge of if you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. Anything you want to uh, do it, want to change the world, there's nothing to it. Like you can't beat that. So fucking good. Yeah. And so like meaningful and like obviously it ties into the themes of the film, but also sort of like uh, transcends them. Uh, just beautifully. Uh, but the melody of the song is like what really, really wins me over. Uh, that the just hearing the first sort of three notes, the first three chimes, uh, the boom, 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 no matter what context they are in. I remember there was a trailer for Ready Player One, which is not my favorite uh, film, but like it had a uh, like a orchestral sort of reimagining of pure yeah. imagination to like play into the oh there's this huge virtual world where imagination is blah 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 and i was like so not sold on it but then i hear the boom 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 <laughs> and i'm like oh here we fucking go here comes the waterworks um that scene also uh, that the the song is over is like so fucking good and so i want an edible room that's the edible room scene with the chocolate river where they're like walking around. Oh. They've just come out of like the little hallway and yeah. uh, you know, th- there have been strange things and everybody is all of a sudden like they, it, there's your introduction to the, to the, uh, to the factory is so disarming. Cause it's like, you know, sign this waiver that says if you die, it's fine. And then like, here's this weird elevator and oh no, we're all getting shrunk. Isn't that weird? Anyway, here's a huge, beautiful room that you can eat anything in. Like it is such like whiplash. And then you have this like gorgeous song. So like thematically that is staggering, but also as a child watching this scene, 
seeing them like pick up the little flower and then like drink the tea out of it and then take a bite out of it. Like <laughs> it is so magical and inventive yeah. and lovely. And then Augustus Goop has to fuck it all up. Augustus Gloop? Is it Gloop or Goop? Gloop, Gloop. I think. Yes. Mm. Has to fucking ruin it. I think if he hadn't fallen in the river, they would have just like chilled in that room for like the rest of the movie and everything would have been fine and there wouldn't be so many like fucking child fatalities and instead we all just could have had a chill time Mm -hmm. in this incredible edible room. Uh, This song has been covered approximately a billion times um, because it is, you know, gorgeous and um, just a just a complete classic. Uh, a lot of jazz artists have covered it and I didn't realize this. It's because it uses like a lot of jazz chords, a lot of like wild 11ths and stuff like that that you don't typically see in uh, non-jazz song construction. Uh, I love a jazz guitar. My uncle Chris plays uh, jazz guitar uh, so beautifully uh, and I always love listening to his performances. I think that's why this like version that I heard mm. on Spotify like really, really got me. Um, the It is in the the like chill hop lo-fi genre is also obsessed with this song. Uh, so like a lot of that uh, will show up in the like playlist that I listen to from time to time. Fiona Apple also. I was just going to look that I up. Saw you go, I saw you reaching for your phone like didn't. Did my girl she? Fiona? She did. Do you do you remember what she did the song for? Uh, no, she did it for a Chipotle commercial, oh, yeah. which I always thought was so funny. Like it's the the it was the short from oh god, what's the name? There's a studio that does that like stop motion animation. I feel terrible that I can't remember Moon. Beam. No, I'm not going to be able to get it. Somebody is for sure going to be able to correct me in the comments or on the Facebook page or whatever very quickly, but it was a Chipotle commercial about a scarecrow. Yeah. Who, it's like, a beautiful out to the commercial. Country. It's a, it's one of the better, <laughs> it's one of the more beautiful Chipotle commercials. Mm-hmm. I will give them that. It's certainly more beautiful than the ones where it's like, come on in. We won't give you horrible, horrible, uh, you know, E. coli anymore with our lettuce <laughs> or whatever the fuck. I think it's probably more better than the, like, we won't give you diarrhea commercials for sure. For sure. For sure. Did you just say more better, honey? I did. I think I'm are you Henry I'm Henry again um <laughs> uh but like I feel like Fiona was uh, attracted to this song because it is a little creepy like you can like yeah. take it in a creepy direction uh the my favorite version of this song outside of the original Gene Wilder version is the Lou Rawls version because it's just straight down the middle like it is it there is very little sort of rearranging that is going on except it is just like soulful as fuck uh and so i want to play lou rawls's version of uh pure imagination to uh take us out just because i i just i love it so much i love this song i love how many beautiful versions it's a hard song to mess up and an easy song to like make absolutely remarkable as you're about to hear from lou rawls Uh, Hey, do you want to know what our friends at home are talking about? 
Yes. And by the way, in a moment of panic yesterday when I was trying to uh, think of wonderful things, I tweeted and like I got over like 400 responses from people that were like, here's my wonderful thing. And it was It was very encouraging. Uh, Lucas says, I love when you're cutting green onions and it forms a gradient of chopped vegetables. That's really pretty and satisfying. Oh, that's so true. That's so good. I read that and I was like, fuck yeah, Lucas, that is so powerful. (laughs) I I love cutting up a green onion. It's probably pound for pound the most satisfying vegetable to cut oh you sure you want to say that i am gonna say well okay when i learned how to cut an onion good like really dice an onion really really well Mm -hmm. without like fucking it up or making myself what about a green pepper when you take that that no i hate i hate cutting green pepper hate it hate it hate it but green onion when you're cutting it and you like watch the color change and then you get to like the fork sometimes in it where they're like now you're cutting two green onions for the same (laughs) amount of effort kicks ass uh david says my small wonder is koji kondo who composed the music for the early super mario and legend of zelda games the overworld theme for super mario brothers uh, 1985 is probably his most iconic work with the ocarina of time soundtrack is by far uh, my favorite of his compositions uh if if you don't know like all of those like old tunes are like koji kondo's work uh and so like he wrote a bunch of like really really uh still used just video game masterpieces from the early nes era but he also wrote the music for uh super mario world 2 yoshi's island for the super nintendo (laughs) that has the most like playful the overworld theme in that one goes like it sounds like a supermarket commercial i like i fucking love it uh yeah koji kondo is very talented and so is Bowen and Augustus, who let us use their theme song, uh, uh, Money Won't Pay, for our theme song. It's not their theme song, it's ours, but they let us use it. And you can find a link to that in the episode description, uh, alongside links to the Okra Project. Again, please consider supporting them and um, supporting other shows on the Max Fun Network, uh, like Fanti, which yeah. uh, I'm going to bother you about subscribing to and listening to until you have done so. I know we've hacked into your podcast app. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at your bits and bytes in there, all of the data. Um, uh, what else? Uh, I mean, just thank y'all for keep on keeping on and Yeah. I think, I mean, we usually we give like action items at the end of this episode and there is no shortage of action items we could give you this week. And you know, hey, hey, this is what I'll say because this is something that happens to me. Okay. Sometimes I'm like doing pretty good, right? And yeah. I'm like, I've got this. I've figured this out. Yeah. I've hacked it 100%. Nothing can stop me. And then I have a bad day and I'm like, oh, I was totally wrong. Hey, you know what? You're still going to have bad days. You're still going to have bad days. You can hack this system and then, hey, guess what? Something sucks. Something sucks. That's, and that's life, that's you know. But and you then keep, you know, maybe the next day you'll you'll get a new hack. But don't give don't give up. Don't give in. Keep on going. Yeah. Keep on keep on powering through. Because that's what they want. They want you to give up. They do kind of. That's wa- what they want. They do actually <laughs> wicked want that. <laughs> Jokes aside. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stay stay involved. Stay uh, you know fighting for for Black Lives Matter and uh, against police violence. Like I don't think there's a more important thing you could be doing right yeah, now. Yeah. Well, and wearing a mask. Well, yeah. I mean, wear a mask while you're doing it. That's yeah. that's also very very cool. Uh, defund yeah. defund the police, but like cover your face <laughs> is like super important and um we'll see you we'll see you next week we don't usually say that but we, we don't but, but, we, we, but we fucking will we probably should have been that's so easy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.